0: Okay, everybody, we've got six weeks of new games to talk about from the Weekly Rotto Recap, all recapped right here for your audio pleasure. If I counted right, I think we're going to be talking about 39 games. And uh, get comfortable. Let's go. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. Now let's talk about new games I found on BoardGameGeek. First of all, we've got Chronicles of Light Darkness and wow, I do not know where this thing came from. It's uh, from a relatively new designer, Pam Wells. She did uh, previously this Blob Party, which I've heard good things about. I recall, I think Grant was raving about it in a Grant's Greatest Games not too long ago. And um, anyway, though, this is not a party game, unlike Blob Party. This is a cooperative game where you get um, four Disney heroines. Uh, Moana, uh, Violet from The Incredibles, Maid Marian, you know, from the old cartoon from the 60s, 70s, and uh, Belle from Beauty and the Beast, all working together to stop the spread of darkness on a uh, cooperative, uh, modular d- game board, so you're going to have a different world to um, adventure in every time. It looks really great, and I'm sure Jen and I are going to be very, very excited for that. Also, um, I didn't know about this when I covered Navoria or Explorers of Navoria, but they've got an expansion in the works, uh, Forgotten Lands. And... My only complaint about Navoria I had was, boy, I wish it would just have a little bit more, just a few more things, because it is very gateway, and I'd love to see it d- dig to the next level. It looks like Forgotten Lands takes it to the next level, because it adds you know, asymmetric starting powers and unique starting equipment, a bunch of new cards, a new worker placement spot, uh, and a whole bunch of different variations of um, variable... Uh, objectives. I mean, the base game already did a lot with ensuring that you're going to get unique play every time you play because of all the wide variety of uh, randomly selected objectives, but now there's even more of them. Uh, They appear on the end of the exploration tracks and all over the place. So, I was very, very impressed and very excited for more Navoria, which, by the way, is not guilty of art plagiarism. Uh, See my earlier comments. Okay, uh, next up. This really surprised me. Uh, Lichita, an older, older title... I think, from the first decade. It was one of the first games Jen and I played, and it was maybe one of the first games when I got into the hobby, whatever now, 15 years ago, that made me realize, wow, a game could be really good, and yet at the same time, really terrible for two players. And that's kind of what I thought about La Cheetah back when I played it a decade or so ago. But it's getting a reprint with new art. Uh, the core um, you know, area-majority, area control gameplay is still there and looks very, very sharp, but it's got an expansion's worth of content. And I'm hoping these expansions really take to the next level for two players. It's got um, new types of buildings you can build, politics cards, I don't know what that means, and uh, different terrain tiles, hopefully all that stuff combined will um, make it as good for 2 as it was for higher player counts, because of course that was kind of the norm back in the day, that 2-player was never high priority. But these days, oh, it's a 2-player board game renaissance, folks. Anyway, what else? Oh, wine cellar! Now um, this is from I think first-time designer Andrew Stiles, although he does have a uh, a fairly popular uh, board game podcast called uh, Tabletop Submarine, which you might want to check out. But anyway, congratulations, Andrew! You've gone from media person to actual designer uh, because Wine Cellar is coming from 25th Century Games, and I gotta say that's what really—it's one of two things that drew me towards this. 25th Century Games, I always want to check out their stuff, but then. The other thing, art by Vincent Dutre. Yes, I am shallow. Uh, a really great artist will pull me in, and I cannot wait to see um, beautiful wine bottle art done by Vincent Dutre. Now, the gameplay itself sounds neat too. Apparently, you're—you know I think you're either auctioning or drafting for bottles, but then you have to arrange them on the shelf, not based on their vintage, but based on the order that they will be consumed, which I don't know anything about wine. I assume that's a wine thing to do, but overall, it sounds pretty cool, and again, it's got art by Vincent DuTray. Okay, this one's surprising. Me, um, power hungry pets. Um, Now, this is from the folks who do exploding kittens, and it looks like a beat for beat remake of Love Letter. And, um, but now instead of you know palace intrigue trying to get the letter to the princess, pass the guards, and all that, it's a bunch of cute, adorable, um, anthropomorphized animals, um, you know, in a power struggle with a king cat and all kinds of stuff. The art looks super charming, no surprise there, considering the publisher. And here's my hope. Um, yeah, you know, I've played a few different variations of Love Letter over the year, like the Batman one and whatnot. I hope they introduce some new stuff that is animal-specific, um, like how do cats function different than dogs? Maybe it'll just be a one-for-one remake, in which case, hey, I'd rather play it because it looks adorable than regular Love Letter, but maybe there's some new stuff. What else have I got? Oh! Quiet House. Um, This really pulls me in, mostly because I love cooperative games with limited communication. The story here is we are all a bunch of ghosts. And because we're ghosts, we can't directly talk to each other, even though we're all working together to try to get the layout of the house perfect for our own secret objectives. But we don't win unless everybody achieves their objectives, Uh, but we can't talk. So we have to watch what each other's doing and try to anticipate and intuit, well, I'm trying to figure out what you're doing, you're trying to figure out what I'm doing. I love that idea in part because I've already played it in another game, Decorum, and I would love to see a new, different take on the idea. But if you already have Decorum and you love that, you're in luck, folks. Decorum Moving Out just got announced as well. Decorum is fantastic. I did a video for it already. And um, it looks like this has a bunch of really cool stuff. You know, obviously, a bunch of new uh, challenges. I assume it's an extension of the uh, campaign from the original. But new features, too, like uh, moving boxes, bubble wrap, vehicles. You have to stack stuff on top of your vehicles in addition to everything else. And... um, yeah, it's such a fantastic game. Oh, and by the way, I don't know if I ever mentioned this. I talked about when I covered uh, Decorum back in the day that I could not wait for the app to show up that uh, gives j- uh, randomly generated challenges. Apparently, that app has come out now, and it's very, very good. So just a follow-up to that also. So anyway, uh, there's, uh, this is a good week if you are a limited communication co-op fan like me. What else? Oh, boy. Don't tell Jen about this, folks. She's going to be very excited when uh, she discovers my shelfie the dice game. My shelfie... Oh! There she is down there. She literally just heard me say that. (laughs) I was not prepared for that, folks. It is... I'm kind of standing up on a uh, steep uh, thing here, so... That was exciting, and uh, I did not want her to know. It was going to be a surprise when I got it. But it's a roll-and-write of My Shelfie. It's a remake of an earlier game called Penky from Simone Luciani. I don't... I'm just... But Jen loves My Shelfie. Like I said, I think, before I almost fell to my death, that it, um, it's a... Uh, it was in Jen's top 10 of the year. So a roll-and-write of it, that's something we have to check out. Okay, My Shelfie, uh, the roll-and-write. And then, oh, okay, Viking Route. Now, this one is very interesting, folks. Um, it has a, a group of designers that are very, very interesting to me. Um, one of the co designers, you know, the, the guy who worked with Reiner Knizia on Witchstone, uh, but he's also done a bunch of Dexgate games, uh, Barbarians, um, Mysthea, and Iacon. Uh, you know, there, there's a group of designers on this. I should have written their names down. They've got a bunch of games between them, a bunch of which I've already seen. and been impressed by. And probably most importantly is The Faceless, a game I covered a few years ago uh, which was so cool. And this is basically a spiritual sequel to The Faceless. This is a game where we are cooperatively trying to navigate a Viking ship through a fantastical world going on all kinds of adventures. But here's the deal. We manipulate the ship's um, direction by manipulating the wind. The wind is represented by magnets. Yes, the ship is a little compass on the board, and as we move Magnets around to represent the wind, it forces the compass to go in different directions. This was brilliant in the faceless, although the faceless was more of kind of like a gateway game, all about, you know, kids dealing with spooky Stranger Things type shenanigans. Now it's about, um, Vikings, and it looks to be much bigger and heavier with special powers for the ship and stuff like that. So I'm very, very excited. And then the last one, folks, the last one I've got to talk about is a Solstice, although it's spelled funny. S O L S T I S. Now, why am I interested in this? Uh, well, I probably because Bruno Cathala is teaming up with uh, a and LeBrat. You know who Bruno Cathal is, I know that. But Quarantine was one of the co-designers on Faraway, which was another game that made it into my wife's top 10 of the year, and I thought it was brilliant too. He's also the designer on Draftosaurus, which was a fantastic game also. So, um, he's a designer watch. He's working with one of the OGs, who always produces solid designs. And uh, what is this one about? Well, it uses card mechanisms um, from Hanafuda cards, which I don't know what that means. I know Hanafuda cards are these beautiful floral... I think they're Japanese uh, card system. So anyway, they're taking ideas from there. It is a card drafting game, trying to make a landscape. And if, if I wasn't drawn in by the designers, this one line from the description really caught my attention too. It was optimize your landscape according to your opponent's choices. Now, here's what I hope that means. I love the idea of a game where I don't pick my objectives, my opponent picks objectives for me that I have to complete. I don't know if that's what this is, or if it's just more about, hey, I've just got to adjust to based on what you're doing during the draft. Who knows? It's a Bruno Catholic game, it's probably going to have some meanness in it, unfortunately, which is too bad. But still, I'm interested in Solstice. And, phew, that was it, folks. What about new games? I'm glad you asked. I think I've got four, uh, if I recall correctly, that really jumped out at me. First of all is Miracle Mix. And I was excited by this, first of all, because designer Leo Colovini, who's been around forever, um, is really kind of on an upswing now. Ever since uh, Old London Bridge a couple of years ago, I've been very excited about what he's doing. Old London Bridge, folks, you have have to check it out. It is such a criminally overlooked gem. But anyway, um, what is Miracle Mix? Well, it is. it kind of reminds me of Potion Explosion. A bunch of marbles come out of a contraption. That determines what players can do. Players are putting more stuff into the contraption. It's the contraption that's so exciting. This is going to make Jen so keen on this, because it looks like kind of like a cement mixer made out of cardboard shits. You put the marbles in, you spin it around, and then marbles come out to determine the actions. Go look at the pictures of it on BoardGameGeek, folks. It looks really freaking. Cool And a game that looks really beautiful that you can see pictures of on Board Game Geek is Bower. This is a two-player only game where we are bowerbirds trying to make the perfect nest. And every time you play, there's going to be six objectives that determine what the bowerbirds want to see on their nests. Here's the trick, though. I, as one player, know what three of the objectives are. You know the other three objectives. And so for me to do really well, make the perfect nest, I've got to figure out, based on what you're doing, what those other three objectives are, so I can score the most points. I've seen this in other games. I always think it's a very, very cool way to do deduction um, by you know, inferring from your opponents... Uh, anyway. Great. Looks really cool. Looks very pretty. Excited to check out Bauer. Then... Oh, man, folks. Watch out for Craftsman the Rollin' Right. Now, I covered Craftsman many, many years ago, from designer Christoph Matsutik, uh, who I've always been a fan of ever since I played Thrash and Roll. But the original... Um, what was it? Uh, cra- uh, Craftsman? Probably one of the heaviest games Jen and I have ever ever played in our life. It was too much for us. Such a big, huge, crunchy, uh, and epically long worker placement game. It was just a bit too much. But now, it's been turned into a roll-and-write. And now, here's the deal, folks. It may very well be the heaviest roll-and-write of all time. If the original Craftsman is anything to go by, go watch my original run-through from, gosh, half a decade ago and watch me totally melt down on camera. But um, I, I'm definitely interested in Craftsman. If I could play it in half the time or a quarter of the time. And I love the idea of super heavy, crunchy roll and writes. So Craftsman the roll and right definitely want to check that out. And then one more. The Age of Pyrocles. And now, I'm excited for this one because it's from the designer- publisher combo behind How: Rulers of the Yucatan. And that one was an odds-on favorite for one of my favorites of 2023. I think it came in in my top 20. Brilliant game. And now, uh, Age of Pyrocles is a deck builder slashed with area control. Slashed with politics. don't know what the politics means. I do know I love deck building. And of course, you know, folks, these days... uh, uh, deck building plus area control is fairly popular. I mean, there's a little game called Dune everybody tends to love. And I don't care for that. I mean, area control, why would I be interested in that? Well, here's the deal, folks. Um, Age of Pericles is a companion to another game from a How and the and the designer as well, called uh, Pillars of Heracles. And I can't... There's not much info about uh, Age of Pericles yet, but the Pillars of Heracles... Heracles. That's Heracles, not Pericles. Um, Looks like a very, very cool rondelle area control game set in Ancient Greece. And that one, you can read in the description, it talks about how it has area control, but you can turn on or off the skirmish combat elements of it. So... If that means you could do that for Age of Pericles as well, and it's deck building, and it's, again, from the amazing team uh, behind how, I am very, very interested. Now, there's no pictures of Age of Pericles on BoardGameGeek, but again, go look at Pillars of Heracles... Um... And you can see pictures of that. It looks stunning. A uh, uh, how, Rulers of the Yucatan was stunning too. So I expect uh, Age of Pericles is also gonna be something really, really great. And that is it, folks. Sorry, where was I? All right, Rebuilding Chicago is the sequel to Rebuilding Seattle. Now, Rebuilding Seattle made my top 10 games of 2023. It's also in my top 10 favorite Tile Land games of all time. So a spin-off, kind of like how Ticket to Ride had spin-offs like Ticket to Ride Europe and whatnot, you know, standalone games that introduce new elements, I am there for it from WizKids. It has new polyomino shapes, it has new events, which is a really big deal, and it promises to make changes to the market system. I'm really interested about that because I thought the market system was great as it was. So I'm very stoked for rebuilding Chicago. But if you haven't had enough of the Windy City, and how appropriate since it's so windy today, again, apologies if there's too much wind noise here, folks. But anyway, there's also Raising Chicago. And now this is interesting. This is the spiritual sequel to a game I covered a couple of years ago called Squaring Circleville, and is part of a potential trilogy from Spielworks, uh, talking about these really weird builds that were done in major cities. Uh, This one is about... I never knew about this. Apparently, at one point in the turn of the century, Chicago um, was so overrun with waste that they had to install a sewer system, but because they were below sea level, they couldn't put it underground. So, what did they do? Well, they built the uh, sewage system on ground level and then raised the entire city above their sewer lines. And that was a major feat of engineering prowess. Companies had to come in to do it, and that's what we're doing in this game. It's a tile-laying game. I have to admit, I don't quite understand the description on board gaming, so I don't know what the gameplay is like, but Squaring Circleville was quirky in terms of its theme and its gameplay, and this is from the same designer, so I'm expecting more of the same. So I'm excited. Next up, we've got World in Progress. And now, publisher... um, What is it Awakened Realms. They're known for big, bombastic, huge games like Etherfields, Lords of Hellas, stuff like that. But occasionally, they do smaller, little family-level games, and this is one of them. From the co-designer of a previous game of theirs called Flick of Faith, which I thought was brilliant, this one is about... set in the ancient world... Again, I have a hard time kind of grokking exactly what the gameplay is. Um, I'm mostly just going based on the uh, art on the back of the box, which you can see on Board Game Geek. But basically, it sounds like there is a group of tiles in the center of the board. We've got our little meeples on them, and we can slide those tiles around, maybe to get those tiles out so we can add them to our own, so our own private things we're building off to the side. I'm not quite sure. Flick of Faith was very, very cool. A flicking game. And one of the things I liked most about it was the constantly changing rules because of the uh Nature of the ancient gods. This game talks about the uh, gods being a part of it too, so will it use that system again? I don't know, but I'm excited to give it a try. Then we've got... Foundations of Metropolis, which is the sequel to Foundations of Rome. This is what I've been waiting for, folks. A version of Foundations of Rome that doesn't have 50 bajillion huge minis in a gigantic box that takes up half my shelf. This is just Foundations of Rome, as it always should have been, as a simple little tile game, but it's set in the modern day, so I'm excited about that. And um, you know uh, Robert Geisinger of Arcane Wonders, he appeared on the r show a couple of weeks ago and talked about this a little bit, and broke my heart when he said that this is just going to be the base Foundations of Rome set in a new world. It's none of the cool expansion stuff so like the co-op modes. But I hope this is successful, because I want all that expansion content for this as well. Foundations of Metropolis, very excited. Then we've got Catacombs, Fortress of Nazimor. And now, sad news, folks. Supposedly, this is the final of the uh, Catacombs third edition series with you know beautiful art by Chai Moria and all that. Um, and it's a great game. I covered it many years ago. It's a uh, you know a Dungeon Master versus players dungeon crawl where everybody's flicking discs to have to have their adventurers move around and engage in combat. It's a brilliant game. So. Uh, The final chapter, I'm interested for that, but I'm also interested because last year, I didn't know this, folks. I totally missed it. But in 2023, there was a small expansion um, for Catacombs that turned it into a cooperative game. Did you know about um, Catacombs, the Red Box? I did not. And so uh, they have confirmed that the Red Box expansion works with this new standalone slash expansion for the series. And so, well, I want to see it out, and I definitely want to try it cooperative with Jen instead of competitive. So I'm very excited about that. Okay, we are done, folks, and uh, the the walk is just getting started. Um, but uh, I've got to head back where I just came from and start. Uh, oh wait, no, 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 no. I apologize, Ryan. We're not done yet. I've got one more game, folks. Um, Red Raven and uh, relatively new designer uh, Dustin Dottle have a game coming called Isle of Night. So this is going to feature awesome art from Ryan Lockett. A cool-sounding design, uh, because apparently this is just a deck of cards. A deck of cards with beautiful Ryan Lockett art. Thank you. And uh, apparently from the description, we're grabbing cards to add to our own scoring system, but leaving other ones behind because we draw a certain number of cards, pick one for ourselves, the other one go into a public uh, pool that anybody could grab. I don't know if this is going to be... Well, I mean, we've seen other card games like that. Uh, it's just a deck of cards, so it's going to be very, very portable. It's going to have awesome art. And from the picture of some of the card powers on Board Game Week, it looks like it'll have an interesting combination of powers also. So I am very excited about all of that. And now we're done. And now I've got to turn around and head back while Jen continues on with her quest for shells. So, new games. Uh, first of all, of all of them, I'm probably most excited, and I'm surprised I'm most excited, about Mayor of Chicago. Um, it's a solo-only game from a relatively new publisher called, I think it's Impatience. Not Impatience. Inpatience. Uh, You know, th- their, their info is on the screen right now. You yeah, the Board Game Geek page, you can see. And it's interesting, this game isn't coming out to 2025. Let me tell you right now, folks. 2025 is going to be a big year for this publisher. They had several games in the hopper that I could have talked about. Um, you know, Mayor of uh, Chicago was the most interesting one, but a very, very cool one coming from Reiner Kenichi as well, and several... I mean, really good stuff. But anyway, let me tell you about Mayor of Chicago. Why am I putting a solo-only game on my list when I... I mean, solo gaming is nice, but it's not necessarily my super jam, but I think this might be the first time I've actually talked about a solo-only game on the recap show why am I beating around the bush? You can see it on screen. It's from designer Javier Georges, in has long, long, long been in my top 10 designers of all time. So anytime he does anything, I've got to check it out. And from the description on BoardGameGeek, this sounds like a pretty sharp, fast-playing little card game um, where every turn, I think it was, you're going to uh, you know, grab, you know, draw a card and either play it face down so it expands your map of Chicago, or face up so it gives you a special power. And that's it. And I love that. If I'm gonna play a solo game, I probably want to be a a fast playing little deck of cards. And uh, yeah, it it looks very, very cool. I think folks should be paying attention to Publisher Impatience. Uh, I think it's founded by uh, Shady Torbay, you know, the uh, Oniverse guy. And, uh, you know, he's really making a name for himself in this space. Anyway, uh, what's the next game? Oh, yeah, yeah. Last Minute. Now, here's why I'm interested in this game. It's a real-time, cooperative uh, bomb-diffusal game, right? You've got one minute to defuse a bomb. It's like, you know, all those scenes from the movies about don't cut the red wire and all of that. <clears throat> Players are working together. Uh, they're running out of time to do it. Um, and so all that sounded interesting. I like the subject matter. I like a quick one-minute real-time co-op game. But what really got my interest is the designer, it's from the designer of Sky Team, folks. SkyTeam, another two-player cooperative game with real-time elements, made all kinds of top 10 lists of 2023 for very good reason. It's absolutely freaking brilliant. So, the follow-up to that... I'm sorry, I should have... I do not remember the name of the designer, but the, the name of the designer is on screen right now, so you can see the name of the designer. Um, SkyTeam was freaking phenomenal. It was a revelation. And so, I am, you know... I'm very excited to see what he follows it up with. It's going to be a tough act to follow, but we got to check it out. What was that called? Um, Last Minute. Then there is One Hit Heroes. I am very excited about this, and if all goes according to plan, I will be covering it on the channel. They could not send me a copy down here in Mexico, but it should be showing up at Dan King's place just in time for me to pick it up as we head back north through the States, back to Washington State. So I'll be able to film it on the road. Why am I interested in that? Why did I say yes to covering this when I say no 90% of the time to games that reach out for coverage? What made one-hit heroes stand out from the crowd? Well, there's a few things. Um, One is... uh, Oh... Uh, you know, it's cooperative. It's a cooperative boss builder, or boss battler. Uh, pretty straightforward, fast card game um, where uh, the important thing is, from a gameplay perspective, what happens is at the beginning of a round, everybody's got their hand of cards and um, you know, that we're using to fight the boss. First thing that happens is the boss draws a card and says what they're going to do at the end of the round. So you know what's coming. There's a ticking timer, and then players all take their turns. I think each of us gets to play up to three cards. I think that's what it was. Um, you can read the description on Board Game Geek to learn more. I'm just going from memory here from what I saw earlier this week. Or actually, I saw from months ago when I first read the rules. And um, then at the end of the round, the big bad boss hit will happen. I love that. Um, you know, that notion of, hey, how about an event card where I can actually respond to the event? Board Game Publishers, stop doing... Garbage gotcha. Ah, surprise! You thought everything was going to be great, but then you drew an event card and it was all terrible. Let us see the event card, give us a chance to respond to the event card, and then hit us with the event card. That's the way to do it. That's what One Hit Heroes does. Now, One Hit Heroes is not the only game that does this, but I'm always excited for when developers and designers are smart enough to realize the proper way to do fun in-game events. Anyway, that's not the main thing that really drew me in. just wanted to check, make sure my mic was on. My fuzzy, fuzzy mic. The main thing is the, uh, the, the, the title, One Hit Heroes, means in this game, you can't... if you take one hit, you die. I love that. I love that extra sense of tension and excitement and gravitas uh, that comes from having one hit point, effectively. There's no, oh, I took a hit, now I got to heal myself back up and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. <clears throat> you know, Folks who not know, I was a video game designer for years. Uh, one of my first, my first video game where I was the lead designer was Siphon Filter. And um, I never got a chance to do it, but in Siphon Filter, I always wanted um, to have this idea of, hey, yeah, if you get shot by a bullet, you die. You're out. You're, you don't get to get back up. And I had a really elaborate system for it. It was way ahead of its time. The industry wasn't ready for it. Ultimately, Rainbow Six ended up doing it. Good for them. Um, but anyway, I've always loved that idea of getting rid of the artificiality of the hit point And what hit heroes does that. And that makes me very excited, which is why I cannot wait to check it out. When I pick it up in Arizona, Dan King, I'm coming, I'm coming, Dan. Alrighty, stay alive, I will find you. Anyway, what's next? Sealed City. So, um, this one I'm really attracted to because of the subject matter. It's very, very intriguing. We are, um, you know, fantasy adventure, mercenary types in a a, a small, you know, fantasy city, and what happens is the city gets trapped under a dome. You know, like that. Uh, like that Stephen King book, and um, over thirteen sessions we will play through mission after mission trapped inside the city with all the inhabitants of the city as things start to go wild uh, now the game doesn't actually the rule the description doesn't say exactly what happens, but I am interested I'm interested in you know fighting monsters and stuff like that, but I'm more interested in dealing with the outcome of oh we're all trapped in here and um, you know things are starting to go crazy and um, you know people are trying to break out and I think that's there's I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how far they're going to take it. Maybe it will just be fighting monsters over and over again. But if they really push the idea, it could be a very exciting and unusual circumstance. So I'm really interested in this, particularly because it's a 13-campaign or mission or session c- campaign, and you can play over and over again. Every time you play, the uh, the village will apparently evolve in different ways depending on the choices you make. So that's really intriguing. Um, I'm also intrigued by the fact is that over the first few missions your backstory, the mysterious backstory of your roguish mercenary will be revealed again by the choices you make. Um, so I love this experiment in a board game narrative storytelling. I love this setting. There's almost nothing about the gameplay, um, which is normally what I pay attention to most, but there's so many things around this that really pulls me in. I'm very excited. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. Then we've got, um, oh, 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 this is going to be a big deal, folks. Watch for Kinfire Council. Now, um, you know, Kinfire Chronicles has been a major hit. People love it. Kimberly, oh, man, I think it was in her... I think it was in her top five, maybe like her number two game of the year. Um, I mean, and everybody loved it. You know, no surprise there. I mean, Kevin Wilson, you know, has got, geez, over a decade of experience making these kinds of big, bombastic narrative fantasy adventure games. And Kinfire Chronicles was an excellent example of the form, I guess. Uh, But anyway... This is a sequel set in the same world, but now he's making a Euro game out of this world because, I guess, after the events of Kincair Chronicles, we are now trying to work together to govern a city. Uh, in Kinfire. And uh, so that means we are, you know, voting on new laws, um, dealing with the, uh, the rise of a cult in the town and whatnot, and, um, you know, just doing all the normal stuff, the Uroid-type stuff that I love, but in a cool, fancy setting. What's really interesting is, like I said, there's apparently a rival cult growing in power in the town that we have to keep under control. It's possible, though, that uh, left unchecked, the cult will take over the town, in which case, all the players lose, except for the player who has the fewest victory points at that point, point. and then it turns out, oh, they were the ones who were the traitor on the council, and they pull off a win. I've seen this in other games. Uh-huh. I always think it's very, very cool, and it's a cool way to do trader mechanisms in a two-player game. So Kinfire Council, uh, sign me up. I want to check it out. Then we've got Regicide Legacy. Now, this is... Well, what was it was 2020 Regicide came out. And it was really interesting because it was a, a cool fantasy game that everybody was raving about, everybody was buzzing about, even though you could the entirety of the game, you could play with just a deck of standard 52 cards. Um, you know, jacks, queens, kings, aces, 1 through 10 uh, in the four suits. Uh, they, they basically made this really very, very smart um, battle-for-dominance card game. Uh, and then, you know, they sold it. Uh, and really, all you were buying were the rules and their cool, customized-looking cards. But anybody could play it, which is... Just... Anyway, so... But it was getting a ton of buzz back in 2020. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody was excited about it. Until it got picked up for publishing, uh, you know, proper, broader publishing, by, uh, by a publisher that if we were to say it was problematic is a bit of an understatement. And I mean, they were this publisher was so bad, although it didn't come to light until later, that the uh, developers of Regicide cut ties and said, look, we're trying to get the rights for our game back. We want nothing to do with this publisher. And this publisher is gone now. They are out of business because they... Well, their their head was was just... He was a, 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 let's just say a jerk. Just leave it at that. He reveled in being a jerk. So anyway, unfortunately, Regicide, at the height of its potential, just kind of didn't really catch on because there was all this other stuff going on, and that was always kind of a shame. I always wanted to play it, never got a chance to. But anyway, they're back now. Uh, They've got it, and, you know, they're publishing it themselves, and Regicide Legacy uh, is a campaign game. I don't think it's a proper legacy game. I don't think you're ripping up cards or putting stickers on stuff or anything like that. It's just a cool, uh, what was it, Uh, probably 10, 12 chapter campaign you can play, and that's very interesting to me because I think that means, uh, they're probably going to have a bunch of uh, special stuff that means you can't play it with just a deck of 52 cards. Probably the first game of it you can play with just 52 cards, but there's a reason to go out and buy it now, other than just... Well, of course, reason enough just to support the developers who came up with the thing. By the way, folks, I have made it back. Oh, I am now going to sit down and enjoy that view, which is our front door view, until Jen gets back. But anyway, so... Oh, Phew, there we go. Life on the road is good. Anyway, so uh, they turned into a campaign game. Uh, they'll add a bunch of new stuff, twists and turns. Uh, you can, I'm sure you can play through multiple times. You can probably play any chapter. I, I don't really know a lot of the particulars, but again, I remember back in 2020, everybody, everybody was raving about Regicide. And so now I, I, I'm so excited that it is going to get more of a chance to find the audience it always should have had. Okay. Then we've got Factory of Dreams. So uh, this one um, is a word game, right? Where we are trying to develop the perfect dreams for... Oh, I forget what the name of the, the king of slumber is. But anyway, it's... a. Uh, it's a it's a cooperative game where we're trying to successfully create five dreams based on the objectives we have in a given round. Um, but what happens is there is a uh, there's, there's a word I'm trying that represents the dream I'm trying to make, and I can play cards with other words into these uh, piles into these flasks. And as I put more of these words in, you have the opportunity to say, oh that plus that. Maybe the dream I'm trying to do is the other thing. Um, I think that sounds really, really cool. I really like the idea quite a bit, you know, in the same way I love code names and other games like that. So a new one of that style is very, very interesting, especially if it works well for two. Time will tell if Factory of Dreams does work well for two, but from what I've read, it sounds like it very much could. Then we've got Affilium. Now, I've got no better way to describe this game, folks, than to say this sounds very much to me like No Man's Sky, the board game. I don't know how what else could it possibly be uh, if you don't know no mans sky it's a it's an infamous uh, uh, game that's uh, huge broad all about exploring an infinitely randomly generated universe um, you know setting up outposts fighting monsters leveling up doing all kinds of stuff it's basically living a life of a space explorer um, with complete limitless um, a universe to explore right so no mans sky got a lot I mean it It had a bad launch, but over time it got much, much better. Anyway, uh, Eiffelon, from the description on Board Game sounds like, oh, it's that in board game form. And so I really love that idea. I mean, there can be combat, but this is mostly about exploring a vast, untraced galaxy. And it's cooperative as well. And another thing I really like is cooperative with simultaneous turns so it can zip along really quick. So all that stuff sounds to me like it is definitely worth checking out. Okay. Uh, next up, we've got Ada's Dream. Now, in this game, uh, we are helping Ada Lovelace you know, build the first computer. I'm sure folks know about the story of Ada Lovelace. If not, go to Wikipedia and look it up. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, so I like the subject matter. I, I, I like that publisher Alley Cat Games, who are pretty much always can be counted on to make really, really high-quality, fun, smartly designed games, they've got a really great... Um, uh, uh, sixth sense about what makes for fun play. They always choose wisely. So anytime they do anything, I'm interested. But um, they, they uh, Alakai Games says this is going to be the first of their advanced line of games. I don't know why, what that means, but it sounds like this is going to be pretty heavy, heavier than what they've done. They've done some fairly heavy games in the past, or medium-weight games, but that's not what pulls me in, folks. Two words. Dice Rondell. You had me a dice rondel. I love dice drafting, dice worker placement, dice manipulation. I love rondels. I want to see these two things working together. Okay, um, then maybe like Teletum uh, did last year, or maybe something completely new. Who knows? Uh, you know uh, what was it? Uh, you know Ada's dream. Gotta check it out for that. Then okay, I think we're at the last one, folks. Man, this has been a long episode. Uh, we have got chefs. Table. So this is a uh, cooperative game where players are working in um, you know high class uh, kitchen you know, like a you know, five-star Michelin whatever restaurant. Uh, you know, like the behind-the-scenes of... What's it? The Bear, which is an excellent TV show. Just finished up the second season not too long ago. So maybe that's why I'm interested in the subject matter. Um, so, I'm drawn in because I love the idea of working cooperatively in a kitchen. Uh, you know, I mean, we've had a few of those, like Kitchen Rush and whatnot, but for the most part, uh, these tend to be competitive games, and that makes no sense to me. We should all be working together to try to have the, you know, the best for the restaurant. Um, you know, and it's all about, you know, manipulating Dice uh, which represent the ingredients, you know, the higher quality, the value of the die, the uh, higher quality ingredient. And you, we've got re- menus to make for, for the head chef and all that. Um, so that's all cool. What I'm most interested in as part of setup. You choose a unique chef to you that gives you uh, a special power, and you choose a unique chef station that gives you special actions. So every time you play, you're combining two unique specials, the location I'm working at and the player I'm playing, to try to do dice manipulation and worker placement to deal with the high-pressure world of you know uh, super fine dining. So it also is very cool. The description makes it sound pretty heavy, I've got to say, on Board Game Week. So that's very interesting as well. And uh, yeah, that's it, folks. Done and dusted. Another week recap. How about new games? I've got a few Um, It was actually kind of a short week. I didn't uh, add quite as many to my wishlist as normal, but I'm still excited about some of these, starting with um, Grand Central Skyport. Now, this is one of several games I could talk about that ended up uh, making on Board Game Geek from publisher 25th Century Games. Of all of them, this is the most interesting because, well, I'm really interested in the idea of a rondelle, where as I move my pieces around and they land in new spots to give me actions, they cause the other pieces to scatter away, but I'm trying to get all all the pieces together to match patterns and stuff like that. As I'm moving up airships in this, uh, you know, steampunk-style world around. So the rondel sounds really cool and really interesting. I love rondels. But I'll be honest, folks, I also love art from Andrew Bosley. And 25th Century Games looks like they're going to have a fun game that is going to be gobsmackingly beautiful on their hands. So definitely watch for that. Uh, The other ones, uh, honorable mentions for Big Sur and Sand Art, uh, both of which also have great artists working on them. And uh, there just wasn't quite as much information in the description, so I couldn't quite get a sense for what those games offered that was new in terms of gameplay. But uh, 25th Century Games looks like they're going to be having a good year, folks. You can check all those out. Again, links for these games down in the show notes. Next up, oh man, last week I think I talked about Inpatients, a uh, up-and-coming publisher, and how they're going to be having a good couple of years because they're just lining up superstar designer after designer after designer. I was really blown away. Well, there's one I missed, or it wasn't on Board Game Geek last week, so it's a follow up. It's called Carnivorous, and it's Inca and Marcus brand. And I gotta say, folks, after years now of Inca and Marcus predominantly focusing just on, you know, escape room style stuff, not that there's anything wrong with that, it is good to see them back designing board games, proper games. This is a cooperative game where we are a bunch of gardening robots who are programmed by dice. So players roll the dice, use them to program with the robot gardeners are going to do, and the robots need our help because the the plants of the lab are growing out of control. Think um, Audrey, too, from Little Shop of Horrors, and they threaten the world! So these uh, gardener robots are trying not to get eaten and trying to stop the spread of the uh, killer monster plants, again, using dice programming, from Inca and Marcus Brand. So yeah, I'm interested all over the place in all of that. It looks very, very cool. Uh, next up, We've got... Oh, what was it? Uh, harmonies. So, uh, first of all, this game looks gobsmackingly gorgeous. Uh, you can see the, t- t- the title there, but if you go to the, uh, the Board Game Geek page, again, link down in the show notes, you can actually see a picture of the game set up. And while I'll, it is kind of you know an abstract tile-laying game or piece-stacking game... It, I, I'm sure Jen is going to love this thing. It is, you know, I mean, there, there's a theme here. We are trying to design the best habitats by stacking groups of these beautiful little wooden chunky pieces on top of each other to make different environments and then populate those environments with uh, little wooden animal pieces. So it, it's mostly actually it, kind of looking at it, looking at the set up. Kind of reminds me of Mandala Stones, which Jen loved to pieces. So I suspect she will love this too. And while I'm really not the biggest abstract guy, there's no denying just how gorgeous this game looks. Again, folks, go check out the uh, picture of it set up on Board Game Geek, and I think you'll add it to your wish list like I did, because I've just got to, got to, got to give it a try. I know Jen's going to love it to pieces. And then the last one, oh, um, Race to Mars which also, from the box cover, looks uh, very pretty too. But why I'm interested in, it is a deck-building game all about trying to build a rocket to go to Mars. Um, and so we're filling the deck full of all the rocket upgrades we need to be able to make the trip. We're also focusing on um, filling it up with the team that we're going to send to Mars. And so that's all fine. You know, it's a card-drafting game. We see all the cards are trying to grab them, build the best deck to launch the mission to Mars. Yeah, that's fine. But what's really interesting to me is the cards that don't get chosen those become the cards that define their trajectory to Mars. So these are multi-use cards in the best possible way. I love that idea of, okay, I want these things, but I don't want to get that thing because if I leave that thing behind, it's going to work really well with my rocket and not with yours. I'm hypothesizing how it works, but that's my guess, and it sounds really cool. So, that is it, folks. Uh, anyway, I think I've got five games. First of all, of course, I would not be able to do this show without talking about Earth Abundance. We all knew it was coming, folks. It was like the, one of the most popular, most highly ranked, maybe the most highly ranked game of last year. Uh, it was my number one game of the year. So many channels agreed. And it's getting its first expansion. Not much information so far. Uh, basically, it's going to be crowdfunding, apparently, um, in late April. Um, it features more interaction between players, kind of paying attention to what your neighbors are doing and stuff like that. Maybe seven wondersy? Who knows? Again, there's not much information, just the promise of more player interaction and more hand management. Because if you've ever played Earth, you might have been in a situation where you've got maybe upwards of 15, 20 cards in your hand and you don't know what to do with them all. Well, they've got new stuff you can use those cards for. So that's pretty cool. Uh, What have I got next? Oh, Knights of the Round Table. Now, I'm excited for this because it's from designer Johnny Pack you know, uh, Mr. Coloma, uh, Sierra West, uh, Fistful of Meeples, he made such a huge splash uh, a few years ago with his first designs. And since then, he's mostly been um, being a developer co-designer on a lot of other people's games. And so I've been waiting and waiting, hey, where's the new Johnny Pack game You know that he designed? And that's what Knights of the Round Table is going to be. I'm very, very excited for this. Uh, the description on BoardGameGeek promises really cool deluxe components, lots of silkscreen, meeples, and 3D elements on the board. It's got a very, very cool theme. Knights nice around the table and all that, with lots of modules that unlocks that take the game in different directions every session. My only worry is, it does say it's got I split, you choose. Which, I gotta admit, is one of our less favorite, because it gives Jen so much analysis paralysis. But, hey, it's Johnny Pack. I gotta give it a go. Then we've got Mesos. So I'm excited for this one because it's co-designed by Simone Luciani, who has been in my top 10 favorite board game designers forever. And he's teaming up with... he's doing this more and more, teaming up with other designers. This one's uh, uh, Yanev uh, Kahana, Kahana, who he also teamed up with on Sea Dragons. And uh, Yanev also did My Best Life, which I thought was a, a cool little... Uh, flipping right, not rolling right. Anyway, uh, anytime Samuel Luciani's name is on the box, I gotta check it out. This one is about uh, Mesolithic tribes, you know, trying to, uh, you know, be successful in the ancient world or, you know, the, the pre, uh, you know, uh, uh, prehistoric times. And uh, yeah, I, I gotta check that one out when it becomes available. Uh, let's see, what next? Oh, Sinister Institute. Now, this one. I'm gonna turn around, by the way, because I gotta start heading back home so I can edit this. Uh, Sinister Institute, oh man, oh, I've left Jen way behind there. Um, Sinister Institute is the latest from Phil Walker Harding, praise be, which apparently is the thing you're supposed to say thanks to the Brothers Murph. Um, I, Rob was saying it all the time, like, why do you always say that? It's, oh, because the Brothers Murph do it. So, okay, I'm gonna do it too. Phil Walker Harding, it's his latest sign. You don't know who he is, man, one of the most prolific modern designers, and he almost always knocks it out of the park. You know, Sushi Go. Baron Park. I mean, it's too long a list. But anyway, this is a cooperative game, not something you see um, from P. Dub very often, and um, it's kind of a you know a wizarding school, think very Hogwartsy type stuff, but um, not actual Harry Potter, just sort of inspired by. But yeah, a Phil Walker Harding um, fantasy adventure game that's cooperative. Yeah, I'll check that out. Okay, then. Oh, this is my last one. Wandering Galaxy. Now, designer Jerry Hawthorne, ever since he... You know, exploded on the scene with mice and mystics a million years ago. He has produced amazing co-op after co-op. He's always pushing new and cool and interesting game uh, design ideas. I've always been a big fan, even when his designs don't quite work for me in general. I'm always glad I played them, so I always want to check them out. And this is the first time he's gone to space. Normally, he does anthropomorphized, cute fantasy animals. You know, that was kind of his where he got his start with mice and mystics. But this one. uh, Uh, Looks like all cute, anthropomorphized animals and humans and aliens in space, in a spaceship, jumping from planet to planet, going on all kinds of cool, fun narrative missions. Uh, You know, hey, Jerry, I'm always interested to see what you've gotten up your sleeve next, and so uh, the box cover looks really, really cool. Can't wait to see more. Uh, Yes, honey pie? Jen has found some pretty rocks, folks, and uh, we'll take a look at those as uh, we also get ready to go. There you go, that's a better idea because right there is the playlist. Yep. Um, is and sparkles? look at that. Look at it sparkle, folks. And, and you got one more rock it's before we look. go.